Hey, it's Christopher Ewing. Join me and other stroke survivors from across the country and around the world during the second annual Life After Stroke Support Group Cruise, October 28th to November 1st, 2024, aboard Royal Caribbean's beautiful Navigator of the Seas cruise ship. The ship leaves round trip from Los Angeles, California, making port stops to Catalina Island and Ensenada, Mexico. Stroke survivors, as well as their caregivers, family, and friends are invited to join us as we just take some time to put aside the thoughts of stroke and just enjoy life again. So join us October 28th to November 1st aboard Royal Caribbean's beautiful Navigator of the Seas, leaving round trip from Los Angeles and making port stops in Catalina and Ensenada, Mexico. For more information, just go to www.thestrokechannel.tv. That's thestrokechannel.tv. And remember, there's still a beautiful life after stroke. The following is a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the personal opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors, or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine. Stroke. 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 It comes out of the blue, sometimes without warning. But those who survive it should never lose hope. A stroke can be life-changing. But it is also a new beginning. Because for all survivors, there is still a beautiful life after stroke. Hey everybody, this is Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are broadcasting from two places. Uh, first off, we're going to start here at Cedar sinai Medical Center, and then by the magic of radio, we're going to transport all the way back over to home base, which is Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank. So first off, right now, we are at Cedar sinai Medical Center, and we are with Dr. Echo Tan. She is the Assistant Professor of Neurology here at Cedar sinai Medical Center. And uh, full disclosure, she is one of my doctors. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good, good to see you. See, now I've kind of come into your domain and put you in my domain now, so now I yes. get, to, get to pick and prod at you a little bit. But, uh, but um, first off, you know, we're really at uh, kind of a hallowed ground for me, uh, Cedar sinai Medical Center, um, I basically owe my life to. As many of you know who listened to the show, on April 21st of 2018, I had a hemorrhagic stroke and uh, was sent here and um, basically was rescued from the, the jaws of death. I mean, it was really kind of a mess, and I really owe them my life here at Cedars, and uh, now Dr. Tan has a little bit of the leftovers, and she uh, she is responsible for um, helping me uh, kind of get my mobility back going again in terms of the topic that we're going to discuss, which is Botox. And Dr. Tan, I think first off, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody who's listening and kind of brag a little bit and tell them about your background, and then we'll get into our topic. Sure. So I've been um, a neurologist here at Cedars Sinai for about four to five years. Um, I'm a specialist in what we call movement disorders. So I specialize in things like Parkinson's disease, essential tremor, dystonia, and spasticity. And one of my specialties in that area is to inject Botox and other types of toxins for dystonia and spasticity. And so that's what brought you to mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of my doctors here kind of evaluated me after rehabilitation. I was like, huh, you know, you'd be a good 
candidate for Botox because uh, I happen to be one of those who suffer from spasticity. And, um, you know, I guess kind of first off, many of the people listening may be somewhat familiar with spasticity, but since, you know, you're here and you are the professional who can speak very uh, learned on it, um, kind of bring us up to date as to what the heck is spasticity and where, what, why, and how. Be happy to. So spasticity is a term that we use to describe um, contractions and spasms of muscle that happen after a person has had damage to the brain. So whether that be from a stroke or a traumatic brain injury or from a tumor being removed or an aneurysm, Um, The muscles in an arm or leg or both may contract and um, be kind of stuck in a certain way where you're not able to um, have a full range of motion or be able to use them as much as you would have before. And so there are medications and also things like Botox that we can use to help loosen those muscles that you can get some of that range of motion back and get some of the um, functions of your life back. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to stroke survivors and things like that, is spasticity something that's going to come and visit us all or is it kind of rare or somewhere in between? It is pretty common in stroke uh, patients Uh, to varying degrees Mm -hmm. in each person of course and it can happen very quickly after you've had the stroke or it may take years to develop years wow yes so everyone's a little bit differently but more often than not you will have some degree of spasticity because that's what the brain's natural instinct is to do after an injury Mm -hmm. and that when you say that that's what it's it's natural thing to do is to kind of draw in or Yes, exactly. So the hand will draw in, the fingers will clench, the elbow will kind of draw up, the arm will come up, the shoulder will go in, and then the the foot likes to point downwards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, if spasticity hasn't presented itself shortly thereafter the initial stroke happens, um, are you kind of out of the woods? Like if you've been maybe four months, five months, six months, a year without it, can you pretty much kind of breathe a little easy that it's not I would happen? I would say if you have gone a year maybe even two mm-hmm. after the stroke and you don't have much spasticity or any then you're probably pretty out of the woods at that point mm-hmm. um, usually what happens is in the first six months to a year after you've had your stroke and are on the road to recovery is when that um, spasticity comes back and that's actually a sign of recovery really yes hmm uh, explain why that is how is so that? Uh, in the beginning the the after you've had a stroke this after the cells and neurons are are um, not there in the brain anymore then the brain just kind of is trying to kind of slowly heal from that and mm-hmm. so they don't really know what to do with the arm so the arm may just lie there in bed mm-hmm. and being unable to move, being, being unable to hold any position. But over time, as things heal down, um, filling brain cells kind of grow back in, mm-hmm. the blood resolves, the inflammation goes away, the uh, natural instinct of the brain 
um, is to then kind of try to bring the arm back to mm. a certain position. And that position is that cl- that closed hand, closed elbow, closed shoulder kind of uh, position that is natural for the brain to do. And so that is a sign that the brain is actually recovering mm-hmm. and that um, that is when rehabilitation, physical therapy, occupational therapy are most important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, are there any particular... Or is there any particular uh, type of stroke, whether it's ischemic or hemorrhagic, and or is there any particular area in the brain where the injury may happen that lends itself to someone being more likely to develop spasticity? Any injury to any part of the brain can result in spasticity. We've We've seen injury from... Every single place you can possibly imagine in the Mm -hmm. brain um, develop into um, problems with spasticity. Mm -hmm. And so usually these areas are areas in the brain that help control your arm, control your leg. So if it was in the vision portion of your brain, then you probably won't experience any spasticity. You just would experience the vision problems because Mm -hmm. it's only affecting the vision part of your brain. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So interesting. You know, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Dr. Tan is going to kind of walk us through some of the things that she does and some of the things that her team does in terms of helping people kind of get past this problem of spasticity. And um, also some of the things that maybe some of you who are listening um, may be able to uh, inquire about with your doctors uh, if you think that you may be experiencing something like spasticity. So sit tight and we'll be right back. I used to think going to the dentist was gonna hurt, but now I go to Dr. Cade's. Dr. Cade's not just a dentist, he's a pediatric dentist. That means he specializes in us kids. It's fun. Dr. Cade's been a dentist for a really long time. That means he's really good. And his office is awesome. He even has a really cool game room. And sitting there while the dentist works on your teeth might seem boring. Not at Dr. Kane's. You get to wear these really cool glasses and watch cartoons while he works on your teeth. Plus, when you're done, you even get to go to Dr. Kane's toy stop and pick out a brand new toy. I like that. Hi, I'm Dr. Kane Hunsinger, and your child's dental care is our passion. When your child has a dental need, give us a call at 402-330-1131 or visit us online at drcade.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing, and today we're actually coming from two individual places. Uh, The first half of the show, we're going to be coming from where we're at right now, which is Cedars-Sinai Medical Center here in Los Angeles. And then by the magic of radio, we're going to pop up over at home base back at uh, Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank. But first off, we're talking with, actually, full disclosure, one of my doctors, who is Dr. Echo Tan. She is the Assistant Professor of Neurology here at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, and she specializes in a really long phrase and stuff that I can't explain, <laughs> but it has to do with Botox and it has to do with helping stroke survivors, people with Parkinson's and things like that, um, be able to get kind of additional functioning out of their limbs, arms and legs and things like that. Is that kind of the lay way to be able to describe yeah, it? that's okay. a very good way of describing okay. it. Uh, we call them botulinum toxin injections. So Botox being 
one of them. And as you know, as is always the case, if you're listening all the time, you hear me say that there's so many questions that come up during commercial breaks. And so there's just a whole bunch of questions that I had that I figured, you know what, might as well just record some of these questions because I'm sure that many of you may have some of the same questions and my mom is here uh, and she had some questions. And so at any rate, um, figured, well, let's just go back on the air and just ask some of these questions just in case um, some of these questions are some of the same ones that you listeners have. So kind of one of the first things that I had wondered was, does spasticity only affect limbs, like arms and legs and things like that? Because sometimes I notice that I'll get sometimes like a tightness in my tongue or my face um, that kind of feels like the same kind of spastic tightness that I'll get. Have you heard of anything like that before? Or is that just me being weird? No, you're not being weird. Uh, tightness in the tongue or feeling like your speech is slurring more all of a sudden or your face is doing something weird. Those are all um, things that can happen after you've had a stroke on the side that you're affected by. And what's interesting is although in a way it kind of is like spasticity, it is kind of the same mechanism as spasticity, we don't call it spasticity so we call that you know stroke symptoms we call we may call that dystonia or Mm -hmm. if your face kind of twitches funny or your tongue does a funny thing we may call that a dystonia but no we don't we don't call it a spasticity we are the, the word spasticity is reserved for the arm and the leg for some reason yeah yeah and it's yeah with me it's not so much uh thank goodness i don't have like a twitch or anything like that but um i it, it's kind of the same thing that i experience with my arm and leg and my leg sometimes where if i get a little tired or fatigued or if i'm trying to really push through something um obviously i do a lot of voiceovers and stuff like voiceovers and things like that like just now like sometimes if i'm trying to talk rather quickly i can't kind of get things out of the way and make things just kind of happen like i used to but it's kind of uh and for those of you who are listening who do experience spasticity you'll know what i mean it's almost kind of like especially with your arms and legs you're kind of fighting with yourself you know it's like if you want to reach for something really quickly or something, your your body will say, well, now wait, now let's not move so quickly here. You know, let's just kind of look at this. And it's like, oh, if you could just relax, I could just do this, you know. Exactly. That drives me crazy. Why yes. in the world does that happen? <laughs> that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, that's what the brain what is for. trying to do. And that's sure. what we're trying to do with mm-hmm. things like Botox is release those muscles that are just trying too hard to close your hands so that... You know, if we release those muscles, your hand can open and then at least you can hold on to your your um, your bottle of water sure. or your toothbrush sure, or sure. your spoon. Because I think yeah, it's funny you say bottle of water because I think I said to you, I've kicked more bottles of water across the room because I'll have it in my hand and I'll go to walk. But my brain is now just trying to figure out how to do two things at once like it used to. So walking and carrying a bottle of water was you know a big challenge in the beginning and it's it's kind of is a little bit now but i mean i've walked like two steps and all of a sudden i've dropped the bottle and my foot is kicking that bottle all the way across the room because it just wouldn't hold it while i was concentrating on just trying to learn to walk again so exactly let's just dive right into this botox thing so first off when was it discovered that botox actually had a function 
in this world. So when Botox was still was first discovered um, and commercially used for medical purposes, it was actually called oculinum mm-hmm. because it was used for eye muscles for people who had strabismus or a, a problem where one eye would kind of look off to one side, what we call lazy eye. Mm. Um, and so this was 1977. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, they uh, rebranded it um, as Botox for the company Allergan, I think in yeah 1989. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it was used for a bunch of different things they kept discovering new ways to use it so Mm -hmm. it's the same thing we use for uh, wrinkles for cosmetics Mm -hmm. we use it for spasticity we use it for the eye problems Mm -hmm. we use it for uh, dystonia or or, our neck spasms we use it for overactive bladder Mm -hmm. we use it for excessive sweating or what we call hyperhidrosis um, and a bunch of other spasms in different places mm. of, the, of the body as well. And then um, they've created it to use for migraines My as goodness, well. And so now, many applications for Exactly. Bunches. And now they're also looking into using it for drooling too. Really? Yeah. Excessive drooling. My goodness. You know, it's so funny because obviously we all know and some know it and love it for cosmetic purposes and stuff like that. But um, it's just amazing to hear all the different there ways so that it's used. There are so many different like ways to use use it now. And so when did it really find its way being used predominantly For, or significantly in the stroke world? Uh, was that early in, on? Or? Uh, no, it was much later on in in uh, 2010 mm-hmm. is when it was FDA approved for use in in what we call upper limb spasticity, so arm spasticity. And just in the past couple years, has it been approved for use for lower limb spasticity or mm-hmm. leg spasticity? And so now we actually have um, three toxins, not just Botox, but we have uh, Xeomin, Dysport and Myoblock as well. And so the first three that I mentioned are all used for spasticity now. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say that it was originally approved for upper limbs and then it took a while for it to be approved for the lower limbs, was there a reason why they didn't just say, yeah, it's good to go with both at the same time? Uh, well, when you have something that and needs FDA approval, what you need to do is design a study to... Um, prove that it works Mm -hmm. and doesn't have the side effects and risks that make it basically not worth it to Mm -hmm. use. Mm -hmm. And so I think they designed the study to concentrate on upper limb because the upper limb is a little bit easier to do and see the effects of. Mm -hmm. The lower limb is a little bit more difficult to do and you you need more, Mm -hmm. usually, toxin to to do the lower limb. So that's why, I think that's probably why they approve the the arm first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, before there was Botox and things like this used for this purpose, what did people do then? What did people do... You know, in terms of spasticity, was that when they had like the drugs, like the muscle relaxers, stuff like baclofen and all that stuff? Yes. Yeah, so baclofen uh, is one drug. There's also other mu- muscle relaxants that they use. But yes, that was the primary uh, thing that we tried. Uh, it's still used today. It's still mm-hmm. very effective today. So we often use both together. Mm-hmm. And then other things that they would do is they would inject um, alcohol into the nerves mm-hmm. and to basically kill the nerves or deaden the nerves mm-hmm. so that the muscle would relax. 
Uh, and they also went in and did surgery and re- basically removed the nerves or what we call mm. rhizotomy to help those muscles relax. Mm. And now all of this tension in these these muscles is all stemming from some crazy place in our brain that just won't chill out? Is that basically what's that's, the root that's of this problem? basically, so when the brain is essentially off, that off state is to kind of clench certain muscles. Mm-hmm. And so the whole purpose of this Botox especially is to kind of go to that area that is being overcharged by the brain and just cause it to chill out. So the brain can just keep wanting to send all kinds of hyperspastic signals to it. But by deadening that nerve and that muscle there, it's just only going to half hear it. Is that kind of... If you want to explain it in terms of, think about it as a light bulb and a, and a control box. Mm-hmm. So the control box is your brain and mm-hmm. the light bulb is your muscle. Mm-hmm. And that light bulb is on and it's on all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just burning too bright, so mm-hmm. to speak. So the Botox actually works mm-hmm. on the wire or inside the light bulb mm-hmm. and just kind of snips those wires Almost in like there. It's like a dimmer, huh? It's like a dimmer. Mm-hmm. So to kind of release that that brightness. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work on the control box. It only sure. works on the on the mm-hmm. on the light bulb end of things. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay, so walk us through a little bit. So um, somebody listening is a stroke survivor, they've got spasticity in their arm or their leg and it's like okay, it's like getting on their nerves and it's just tense all the time. The doctor says, Oh, you know what, go see Doctor Tan. Walk us through. How do you go about trying to help us? <laughs> Uh, so, so what we usually have you do is come in for um, what we call a, a consultation, and then we, we look at your arm, we look at your leg, we see what kind of range of motion you have in your shoulder, in your elbow, in your fingers, in your thumb, in your knee, in your ankle. We see what kind of braces you need if you walk with um, an, a foot brace, if you need a hand brace, if you need a shoulder support. And then we ask you about your daily life, you know, how much help you need with certain uh, with certain things during your day, getting dressed, washing your hands, um, putting on your shirt, eating, etc. And then ask, um, how much can you do on your own in terms of being able to move your arm on your own without having someone able to help you? And then based on all those many factors, mm-hmm. we decide, you know, what areas to concentrate on. We often need to pick areas to concentrate concentrate on. We can't usually do everything. Mm-hmm. And then decide what your goals are going to be because um, a lot of the times the majority of our conversation during that hour is about what is accomplishable Mm -hmm. and what can be done and what can't be done. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing I want to do is inject you and, 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 and do things to you Mm -hmm. and then you be disappointed in the result because you were thinking that you were going to have something else. Right, right. Now, obviously, I've been through the procedure a couple of times, but for those who haven't, I'll kind of ask as if they're asking, um, how long does the actual procedure take? The procedure itself is pretty short, uh, usually about 15, 20 minutes maximum. Uh, The first time may be a little bit longer while we're kind of figuring out how to position you and how to inject you and where your muscles are in particular because everyone is just a tiny bit different. (laughs) 
And then after that, it can be as quick as five minutes. It can mm-hmm. still take 20 minutes, depending on how many muscles and how many injections you have. Mm-hmm. Now, if I remember correctly, there's something that you, you hook me up to, and then there's a computer that you seem to look yes. at and refer to. What is that? So that is an EMG machine. Uh, it senses muscle activity. So what we do is we put two sticker electrodes onto your skin mm-hmm. uh, relatively close to where we're going to be injecting. And then the needle uh, has the um, syringe on it with the fluid that has the Botox in it. But it also has another wire that goes back to the machine that picks up the muscle activity. Mm-hmm. So as the needle is in the muscle, I can tell it's in the muscle because the machine will make a certain noise when it's <laughs> in the muscle. And if you can, I ask you to move your arm mm-hmm. while the the needle is in there so that the sound becomes louder. I see. I see. And, and one thing I remember when you and I first met uh, several months ago, it, one of the cool things that I was really impressed with was that you watched me walk and you kind of got an idea as to, okay, I see what's happening here. And you kind of, I guess at that point, were able to really assess where you needed to dive into and what you needed to hit. Exactly. So everyone's everyone's walk is a little bit different. Different muscle groups are going to be stronger than others. Um, sometimes you have both, for example, the front of the leg mm-hmm. be strong and the back of the leg be too strong. Mm-hmm. So when that's the case, you kind of have to think about how to rebalance the leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. So it's not like, oh, okay, come on for Botox and then we just hit this and hit this. You really kind of look and see which side of the leg, the front of the back or exactly. you know that whole thing to really Every know which one you're going to hit. single patient is different. I don't have two patients who have the same injection um, kind of sure, pattern. Sure, sure. And then once you go through the procedure and it's like, okay, you're good to go home now, how soon can someone expect to see some benefit to the Botox? We typically tell our patients that you can start to see benefit anywhere from as soon as two days to two weeks. Mm-hmm. Usually the peak effect being about four weeks out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have you come back in about that four week, four, five week mark so we can see what changes we have made, what improvements you have made and have you give us a little bit of feedback or mm-hmm. maybe even have the physical therapist give us a little bit of feedback mm-hmm. in terms of what they can do now during um, their therapy sessions. And then from there, we can kind of tailor it for the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these injections should last about two to three, hopefully at least three months because mm-hmm. then we'll inject again in about three months. I see. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, the, on that topic, you know, that is one thing I remember you telling me is that you, when you put in Botox, you don't want to put in too much because you do want there to be some spasticity to exactly. a degree. Explain yeah. a little bit about that. So, for example, a hand, you have muscles that close the hand and then you have muscles that open the hand and they mm-hmm. kind of work against each other and with each other at the same time. And so usually the ones that close of the hand are too tight. Now, if you loosen those, you're loosening the muscles that tighten your hand. Mm. So the same muscles you need to grab your water, Mm -hmm. to grab your spoon, to hold your toothbrush, to hold your purse... So I can't loosen those muscles Mm -hmm. too much. I can only loosen those muscles to a certain extent. Otherwise, you won't be able to hold anything. Exactly, or you Mm -hmm. won't be able to hold things, and Mm -hmm. then your hand will just be really loose and almost floppy mm-hmm. at your side. Mm-hmm. Boy, so what a skill it takes on your part to really kind of put in the right amount 
Yes, it's definitely mm-hmm. the right amount, and that depends person to person, how bad the spasticity is, whether you're five foot or you're six foot mm-hmm. two. Uh, that that Ooh, all changes so much, the situation. so many factors that have to go in. That's just amazing, and I guess that's why you had said that people come in for a, not just an evaluation, but then a few weeks after you administer the Botox, they come back again, and you kind of evaluate to see, you know, was did, did we put in enough? Do we put in too much? Do we need to put in more? I mean, you really kind of ha- won't know that until you kind of get in there, huh? Exactly. So we we after doing this for a while, you kind of get a, a good sense of mm-hmm. roughly how much you need. But then again, it's person dependent and task dependent. So when you when you come back, it's it's really a lot of feedback on what you think, what you see, and then what we're going to achieve from then on out. Right, right. Can someone expect there to be a point in time where maybe they won't have to get Botox injections anymore? Or it, I think that really is is uh, patient dependent. There are a few patients where they have found that over the years. They've had to come back for injections less frequently mm-hmm. because they've been able to then maximize their their therapy so that they can regain that range of motion that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this is a natural instinct of the brain to clench those muscles, we're not changing the brain necessarily. Mm-hmm. So there will always be a degree of spasticity there. And not mm-hmm. all spasticity is bad. Some of it is good and some of it is necessary. Right, right. Now, would working with your PT and OT help in the long run in terms of how much Botox you might need going forward in the future? Can working through and, and working with your PT and OT strengthen and rewire your brain, would doing that allow you to help not need Botox going forward. Yes, it can. So by having PT, OT, using hand braces to kind of open that hand or open those muscles up, in the long run, I can inject less. Mm -hmm. We can inject less often Mm -hmm. to achieve the same goals many times. mm -hmm. Uh, Not to interrupt, I guess what I was thinking is, is that somebody shouldn't get Botox and just sit back and be like, okay, I'll just let the Botox kick in and everything else, but really continue to work with your physical therapist and occupational therapist. Yes, the therapy Mm -hmm. portion, the stretching portion, the own your own portion that uh, you do at home is actually probably more important than the toxin itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Is there a point to where maybe it's too late to think about getting any kind of Botox therapy? Like, okay, I'm like four years, five years into this stroke thing, and eh, it's not going to do me any good. Uh, Sometimes there are patients who come to me too late, and it's not a matter of time. Um, I've had patients come to me at the four-year, five-year mark, and we they're still candidates for Botox injections, and we do them. And there are some people who come to me two years after mm-hmm. their stroke, and they're, they're not a candidate because what happens is those muscles are so tight for so long that they shorten Mm. to that length. Mm -hmm. And so when they shorten and that muscle kind of um, not dies, but changes and Mm -hmm. becomes more fatty tissue or becomes more fiber tissue and becomes more like um, tendon tissue, 
then then the Botox won't be able to work on stuff that's not muscle. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, when when that's when that muscle is shortened or those ten has become more tendinous, then we may have to send them to an orthopedic surgeon to see about having mm-hmm. those ten- tendons lengthened or mm-hmm. or to have surgery to have it corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does it take post-stroke for things like that to start to shorten or change to the point of almost no return type of thing or surgery? I would say years, at okay. least for most patients who have some sort of at least self-care or someone who can help them at least try to maintain flexibility, open their hand on a daily basis, open their elbow. It shouldn't happen quickly. It, mm-hmm. it shouldn't happen quickly at all. Um, for those people who hey, maybe are, their stroke was so devastating or so bad that they're in bed all the time and they can't move at all, um, unfortunately, those those in those kinds of situations, then then that muscle change will, will happen faster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some of the kind of cool things that you've seen happen with some of your patients after getting Botox and things like that? Have you seen some really great success? Uh, yes, I've had a lot of patients come back really happy with their results. I've had a few patients who were finally able to um, walk Mm -hmm. Uh, they used to be able to just kind of stand there because one leg wouldn't reach the ground. Mm, And so now they were able to put their foot on the ground Mm. and with the knee brace kind of take a few steps with the walker. Have patients been able to start to open their hand again and open their hand enough that they can either grab something like their spoon or a cup mm-hmm. or even open their hand enough so that they can wash their hand because mm. that sometimes is an issue. Really? Wow, just gets so closed, huh? Yeah, it gets so closed that their nails dig into their hand. They can't cut their nails. They can't wash their hand. And so that, I think, a lot of time is a really, really big issue. Wow, yeah. Wow. Is there any case where Botox is not recommended or wouldn't be beneficial for someone or wouldn't be suggested or even prescribed? There are very few cases where Botox wouldn't be a good idea. In most cases, in in people who I've had the discussion with that maybe not they're the that maybe they're not the best candidate is are those who actually have really good range of motion Mm. and they have very, very little spasticity. And so when they come to me, um, they come for a consultation, but number one, they have very little spasticity. Number two, they have very good range of motion. And then number three is what they're wanting from the Botox is not possible. And mm-hmm. so when hmm. when it's when it's when they're looking for something that I cannot give them, then we have to have a good conversation about either modifying their expectations mm-hmm. or maybe saying that Botox is not for them. Is that because they're thinking that Botox might help them move better or run faster when really it's not a spasticity problem to begin with? Exactly. So they're looking to walk like a normal person again without a cane, mm-hmm. without a brace, or they're looking to play tennis again with their arm or or play piano again or or something that requires that that's more muscle control mm-hmm. so that's more physical therapy yeah, more pt mm-hmm. more than just releasing muscle spasms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you had mentioned that there's three different types of these toxins now is 
there one that's better than the other? I mean, why do they have different types now? Uh, well, everybody gets wants to get in on the market, <laughs> yeah. wants to get their share of the sure. pie. So I, I, they're 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 different. They pretty much act on the same place within the nerve muscle connection. Um, but they haven't done any studies to compare the three head to head. So we don't know whether one is better than the other. Each one has their own kind of advantages and disadvantages. Each one is has a, has a contract with different mm-hmm. insurances. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that may change the game as well. So, but we, we use, we use all of them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just depending. And that kind of leads me into my next question. Is Botox something that insurance companies cover? Yes. So, so it does cover it for spasticity, for upper limb, for lower limb. Uh, Medicare covers it. Private insurance companies cover it as mm-hmm. well. Uh, you're just, your doctor just needs to know how to file the claim. Mm-hmm. And then most uh Toxin companies, so Boat, so Allergan, um, Mertz, which is the other company, Disport. They these companies usually have patient assistance programs or savings programs, okay. so that if you do have a copay or a deductible, they will help you out with those costs, depending on your your other other bills and mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. Um, per year. Gotcha. Now we've got listeners all over the world. Are there Botox doctors or Botox centers? Are there strokes? You know, how do you go about finding a doctor who knows how to administer Botox? In um, usually your stroke doctor has a has a doctor that they will refer you to, or they may do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who, who uh, doctors who usually inject this are going to be neurologists. Mm-hmm. They may or may not be movement disorder specialists. I have um, I have colleagues who aren't movement disorder specialists, and they also inject this for spasticity. Or you may go to what we call physiatrist, hmm. uh, which is a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation. Hmm. And so those doctors are also trained in um, treating spasticity. I see. I see. Boy, this is also fascinating. So mom had a question, which was, why is spasticity stronger and more prominent in the morning? Uh, that is a very good question. Um, it's not the same mechanism, but if you think about it like your joints in the morning or arthritis in the morning, everything's just kind of slower to kind of get mm-hmm. going in the morning. You wake up, you're not as clear in the morning everything just kind of takes a minute to get going the same way your brain needs a moment to wake up all those circuits that your brain turns on to tell your muscles to relax need a moment to kind of power up to full speed Mm -hmm. and so that's one of the reasons why many people have more stiffness in the morning and then some people actually have more stiffness at night because at the end of the day Mm. they're tired they've used their muscles Mm -hmm. all day and so that's also another time of day when people are more stiff so that spasticity will kick in yes it kicks in more yeah yeah. your body is done I'm tired it's time to go to sleep and rest gotcha does spasticity have its genesis somewhere in relation to nerve damage or is spasticity something else it's like because i notice that water droplets hitting my arm will drive me crazy sometimes 
like very you know hypersensitivity is that part of spasticity or is that more nerve mm-hmm. or are they connected the the hypersensitivity is is different from spasticity i see so spasticity yes. and nerve damage of sorts is not really connected um nerve damage is related to spasticity but there are two if you want to split up nerves into two types, there's motor nerves or mo- nerves to move, mm-hmm. and there's nerves to sense or sensory uh, okay. nerves. So okay, the hypersensitivity is from the sensory nerves not mm, the working. The motor. Yes, mm-hmm. and the spasticity is from the motor nerves not working. I see. So say that again. There's two different types there's two of... two different types of nerves. There's motor nerves, which we need to move, and then sensory nerves, which we need to sense. To sense feel. heat, mm-hmm. pain position just anything got it sense a needle so when depending on where your stroke was it may damage both and so you may have both types of problems mm-hmm. numbness tingling burning hypersensitivity and the spasticity part welcome to my world <laughs> absolutely um this is all so fascinating final thoughts uh spasticity is not always a bad thing um, but when it becomes a bad thing or when there's too much of it we definitely have ways of releasing it and if you have any thought that Botox or one of the toxins may be helpful to you it's never too early and never too late to go and and see someone about it well doctor this has just been so awesome we've been speaking with Dr. Echo Tan she is the assistant professor of neurology here at Cedar sinai Medical Center and doc it is just so cool to see you just you know without having to come here and getting poked and prodded but just to be able to really share you with the listeners because you've explained this stuff to me so well many times before having me being your patient of course i'm just so glad that you've been able to take the time to share the same information with all the listeners so thank you very very much thank you for having me it's been a pleasure to share this with your entire audience thanks thanks we're going to take a break and when we come back by the magic of radio we are going to be at home base back at providence st joseph's medical center during our support group so sit tight and hang out and we'll be right back Hey, this is Christopher Ewing with a Life After Stroke health tip. So if you're a stroke survivor, then I'm sure you know the exact date that you had your stroke. Maybe even right down to the exact hour and minute. We're often asked by doctors, therapists, and even loved ones, so when did you have your stroke? So that makes the date kind of hard to forget. But do you know the date when you started to show signs of recovery? Like when you were first able to move your leg again or your arm? The times when your brain and body start to show signs of improvement following a stroke are even more important than the day you had your stroke because these are the times when your body is showing you signs that it is actually healing. And it is also a sign that all of your hard work and therapy is paying off. And those times should be celebrated. I call these moments milestones. And one thing I do that I'd like for you to do is to have a milestone journal where you keep track of all the breakthroughs that happen along your journey towards recovery. For instance, in my milestone journal, while it says April 21st, 2018 is when I had my stroke, I can see that it was May 4th, 2018 when my ankle first started to move again, May 9th when I could close my fingers for the first time, May 23rd when I was able to take a few steps on my own unassisted as I was learning to walk again, and so on. It's very easy for us to remember the one terrible day that we had our stroke, but what about all of the awesome days when we noticed signs that we were actually healing and getting better? So here's what I'd like you to do. 
just get a notebook, or I happen to use the Notes app on my phone, and whenever you make a special accomplishment in your recovery, just jot it down, making note of the date, the time, where you were, who was with you, and anything else you want to make note of about that special moment. It's really cool to every now and then just look back and read about some of the breakthroughs or the milestones that you have reached on your road towards recovery from your stroke. We can spend time being bummed about the loss of ability, or we can spend time celebrating the recovery of those abilities as they happen. I say, let's celebrate our recovery and all of the milestones along the way. And if you have a recovery milestone, write us and tell us about it. Just send me an email to mail at thestrokechannel.tv. That's mail at thestrokechannel.tv. And congratulations on your milestones. I'm Christopher Ewing, and this has been a Life After Stroke Health Tip. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Ewing, and you just heard a really informative interview on spasticity with Dr. Tan at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. And the next segment was taped a few days earlier at our home base location, which is Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank, where we hold our weekly stroke support group. Now, you've heard me talk recently about the importance of celebrating milestones and breakthroughs that we experience during our recovery from stroke, and in this next segment, you're actually going to witness one. During our taping, a volunteer at the hospital who does animal therapy, where she takes her dog into patients' rooms and allows them to visit with the dog, came into the room we tape in, and one of our stroke survivors who participates in our group sessions revealed that he has been afraid of dogs ever since he had his stroke nine years ago. Prior to his stroke, he had four dogs and three cats, but following his stroke, something happened in his brain that had caused him to not even want to be near a dog at any time. And during some of our previous shows, we've heard other stroke survivors talk about just some of the mood changes and personality changes that they've experienced following their stroke for reasons that they can't explain. Well, this segment you are about to hear is one of those occasions where a stroke survivor experienced a moment where he confronted his frustration and fear and conquered it head on. This was a really emotional milestone breakthrough moment for everyone who was there. There wasn't a dry eye in the room, and the gentleman expressed afterward just how happy he was that he had had the chance to work through it. And this just shows just how important being a part of a stroke support group can really be. So check out this very emotional breakthrough moment that happened with one of our fellow stroke survivor friends during our stroke support group just a few days ago. Hey everybody, this is Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we're broadcasting from Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank, California. And as you know, we tape the show during a stroke support group and... uh that's kind of what goes on here. We all kind of hang out and talk and stuff like that. Today, we've got uh, a couple of our stroke survivors here, one of which is an author who has written uh, actually several books. And so uh, we're going to talk to him. Um, we will start over here first and say hi to Dave. Dave, what's going on, man? Well, my name's Dave. I had a massive right frontal stroke in 2016. And your recovery has been remarkable, as we say every single episode. It's getting, it's getting there. It is, man. It's so good. It's like, it's beyond. It's really beyond it. And uh, and actually, uh, Dave was saying last week that he was going to look into swimming uh, at the Y. At the Y, and he did, and and has come back with a, a glowing report. Yeah. Um. So it looks like it's going to be good stuff. Yep. Yeah. We're gonna, but we're gonna we're gonna do. Uh, Water polo. Water polo. Oh, yeah. cool. Oh, so they do that, too. 
Sure, we can okay. do anything. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. They have okay. open training days to where you can do anything you want. Right, right. And you know, everybody listening, I think that's really a cool thing. So, like, if your insurance is kind of stopped in terms of OT and PT and all of that, you know, look into the why. I mean, there's so many really good resources out there, you yeah. know? Burbank Parks and Recs is another great one. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if you're local, you know, here in Burbank, they've got all kinds of great stuff. But really, wherever you're at, I mean, I think you can look into any of the community right. centers, the... Uh, senior centers? The, yep, senior centers, colleges, right. um, just all kinds of really great resources out there that can kind of fill in the gap if your insurance is stopped or something like that, or if you just or you need just more. want extra help, sure, exactly, or you just want to do some, you just want to stay busy. Yep, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. You and I were thinking the same thing. You know, just if you just want to have some extra stuff, you know, yep. if you got extra time and want to stay really involved on a daily basis, there's all kinds of stuff. Mm. So uh, definitely, very cool, very cool. And the twins are good. Twins are great. The twins are great. Oh, that's so awesome. Awesome. That's right, yeah. They're He's, in school right now. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Dave was talking a few episodes about um, how he walks the kids uh, to and from school. They're seven years old, seven-year-old yeah. twins. Seven-year-old twins, yeah. Yeah, a boy and a girl, and that's just so awesome. I'm sure they're just... And you know, the other thing, and I don't know if you mentioned it while we were on the air or not, but one of the things that you had mentioned that I thought was just so cute, um, you know, you, when you had your stroke, you yeah. were in the hospital, and you said the kids climbed up in your bed. What My son it? tried to climb up in bed with me. Oh. Yeah, he, he, because we were... We were very, you know, I'd always take them places and things, yeah. and then I could, all of a sudden, I couldn't. Yeah. So he would, uh, he'd come come to the hospital, and he'd crawl into bed with me. Oh, bless his heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. so awesome. And he'd lay in bed with me. Yeah. And the nurses just went right along with it, you know. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And they'd come over, and they'd cover him up, you know. Yeah. Oh, bless his heart. And he just, you know, absolutely loved it. And that was, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure they're just thrilled yeah, to have right Dad back now. You're just down the hallway. Yeah, just down so the hallway, yeah. There you go. We'll see. Look how far you've come. Yeah. You know? I've gotten to the side of the hallway. You've gotten to the side of the hallway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And you no longer have to walk the halls uh, at, at night, night and yeah, be worried I, that I, you're going to get I busted. I peeked my head out the door to see if anybody was <laughs> yeah, in the hallway. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. See if we can catch you. <laughs> yeah, I still get that, that feeling when mm. I look around here. Well, that's just awesome. Well, man, like I said, your recovery is just uh, such a great example to all of us, and I'm just so thrilled as, uh, that you're doing so well. And and uh, it's, I'm sure your kids are just thrilled to have well, Dad kids, back. Yeah, the kids are. Yeah, walk you, walk them to and from school yeah. and do all that fun stuff. This morning was it was umbrellas. You know, everybody had umbrellas, so yeah, they turned into rain swords. Here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, as soon as there was a puddle, it's the first thing you got to do is jump in the puddle. Yeah. So they're having a great time. Well, it's so awesome. So, so awesome. And uh, across how from... How long were you... Uh, 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 kept in the hospital? I was here for about uh, 70 days. 70 days, wow. Really? Hmm. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. It is a long time. Well, I had a massive right frontal. Now, was a lot of that time spent here in the rehabilitation part of the hospital? Some of it was in a rehab, mm-hmm. but my rehab didn't seem to take very long. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say it. It took a long time because I had to learn how to swallow again. Yes, mm-hmm. right. And that's it was still a problem for a long time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't drink water. It would just, mm-hmm. just yeah. wash down my throat. Wow. And I'd end up choking. Right, right. So I had to learn all that all over again. And walking, I had two nurses that would come to my come to my room every day with my shoes saying is today the day and they would you know get me up and walk me hmm. and they one is still here Irene and she would just do it every day hmm. and then they walk me in the back of the hospital out there's a behind the hospital there's a stairway and I'd go up and down the stairs mm-hmm. 
learning how to go up and down. Wow. And up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs, until I was exhausted, and then they would bring me back. You know, and I and I say it all the time, not enough can be said about the physical therapists and the occupational therapists and the speech therapists that catch us, you know, right immediately post-stroke and get us on our feet, get us talking again and moving again. I mean, they are just so, so precious, vital, a godsend, a blessing, anything else you want to call them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they actually catch us at our absolute lowest point. Absolutely. And get us going. And, I mean, and turn us around. Yeah. It's like we're stranded on the side of the highway with flat tires and out of gas and everything else, and they come and get us rolling again, you know? Yeah. I mean, shoo. They are just, I mean, at really at that most important point. It's know, like we're on, we're on that bridge, you know, about ready to be pushed over and yeah. they're grabbing us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They actually, yeah, so very grateful. Oh, absolutely. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, because really when you stop and think about it, I mean, we're kind of like, okay, what the heck just happened here, you know? Mm-hmm. And nothing's working. Everything's offline. We're just like devastated literally from top to bottom. Yeah, especially and you can barely talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're still biting your cheeks. Yes. Oh, Dave, when you mentioned that the other day when we were at lunch and you were telling me about that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, not to sound gross, I know that I have swallowed more parts of my inner face, you know? I mean, I've been into more hamburgers and everything. And, and really, the worst part about it is because your face is so numb, you don't really you realize... First of all, you don't realize that you did it until you, you realize your teeth did not close all the way. And then you immediately think, oh, I bet that hurt. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> you know? I bet that's going to leave a mark, you know, <laughs> because you, you didn't feel how bad it hurt. But, you, you know, you knew it probably hurt. Yeah, a or lot. how big was that piece? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh, my gosh. And, and when I would do it, people would look at me like my mom and stuff like that. They'd see me make this big flinch like, oh, oh, and I'm holding my face. But it really didn't hurt as much as I knew it probably should have hurt. Yeah. But you know you're so numb that you just don't realize it so i thought it was only me but then when i heard you were chewing your face <laughs> off then i was like oh poor guy <laughs> you know? yeah well there's a lot of things like that though yes you know, only yeah. having the stroke you you realize that stuff yeah and things you just don't realize that other people yes. go through sure and all of a sudden it become you become aware of aware of it yes. absolutely and it's like what you're doing That's now to make people aware of it is rare. wonderful well, I think what we're all doing here is definitely adding something. You know, I mean, we and we get emails from everybody and stuff like that. And yeah, but you're you know, still you're still the apex. I mean, you've really you should take the credit. I mean, really, no. just you've hey. done a, you've done a remarkable thing. Well, like I said, man, I, I but you're doing a remarkable thing. Thanks. I mean, I yes. really all I'm doing. You know, I, I I was laying in the hospital thinking about the fact that I you know work in television and radio and I've got all this equipment. That I might as well put it to use, you know, somehow. And I, you know, this is so that's the only reason I do this. But I got to tell you, you know, without your stories, you know, I mean, so I mean, I appreciate what you're saying, Dave, and it's very kind of you. But, you know, I think I'm just doing what I think we all should do, and that's why we're here, is just. You know, we're all in this together. We're one big family. Well, I agree. And my wife, just like my wife said, she wants to do it for like the survivors or yes. the, the ones that are actually, you know, in the in the uh, in the in the in the well, not exactly the background, the, but the foreground, the, yeah, but behind the, us. Absolutely, I got ones you. behind us. Yeah. I know what you mean. Well, I've got something up my sleeve for the caregivers that are, we're going to announce it in the next couple of weeks. I'm just kind of taking my time putting it all together. But it's uh, for all you caregivers out there. Have I got something for you? So you just you just sit tight. We're, we're coming for you. We got something for you because don't think you've fallen through the radar here at all. Um, 
Come on in. I told him that you're doing the stroke support group. Oh. So we've got we've got somebody, you know, like I said, this is part of a stroke support group here. And anything could happen. And the most cutest dog just rolled in here. Yeah, come on over here, ma'am, if you don't mind. Yeah, come on yeah. over here. I, Why don't you pull up? No, no, no. Oh, he's your scared dog? close to me. Okay. Tell you I, what. I love dogs prior, prior to the stroke. Okay. Oh, Wow, isn't that now, interesting? Yeah. So prior to the stroke, you that dog, that dog like that, no. wouldn't have bothered you at all. No. Isn't that something? You know what? Why don't you slide your chair over a little bit, uh, or maybe you can just want to have you. Do you mind coming over and talking a little bit about what you do? Well, no. Can you come to the mic here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just. Yeah. There you go. I'll be between you. Yeah. There you go. Is that okay. And maybe just spin that Is mic. Okay. You okay? We'll be between you. There you go, Bob. Okay. That's good. You're okay, right? Yeah. Okay. And ma'am, why don't you take the mic for a minute and tell us who you are and what you do. You can lift it up. It'll come up okay. to you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Candy, uh-huh. and I have a therapy dog here at St. Joe's Hospital. She's been here over seven years. Wow. And she works also at the Big Veterans on Wilshire. Yeah, she's she adorable. A now, I'm there. probably going to miss call her breedy she looks like one of those king charles king charles oh Cavalier so i guess right she's just mm-hmm. a little darker than the ones that i've usually seen but she's, boy, she's beautiful she's a big girl she is beautiful my goodness and she was a rescue oh my goodness well thank you that's yeah. awesome for you yeah. oh she, what a she's face very well mannered and she's bilingual and she's bilingual there you go oh my goodness Oh, is that a, oh, I wish, that's it. You know, I, I always say I'm putting this on video sooner than later. I got to, we just got to go straight to video so we see this stuff. Um, if you could keep the mic for a minute, I just want to ask you. Sure. Um, so how long have you been doing uh, kind of this type therapy of therapy? Work? Sure. Um, so you could hold the mic up closer to your mouth. Cause Sherman yeah, Oaks and I uh-huh. have uh, been here at St. Joe's a little over seven years. Wow. And uh, we've been at the VA for... Um, Almost six. Right. It took a year to get in. Wow. <laughs> so, almost six years. And she does hospital, rehab, and convalescent there. And here she does everything. Isn't that something? Now, what made you want to do that? What? Well, to be honest, I I love my dog. Mm-hmm. She's perfect for the job. But I didn't realize they had this going on. My girlfriend has been here 20 years. Uh-huh. And so she got me into it, and and now she has three Cavaliers, wow. and she shows two of them. And uh, she, I'm sorry she's not here today because they're really sweet together. They're, yeah, they're like related almost, and um, they're cute. It's yeah. like a bundle of puppies. And oh, is that cute? Respond to that. And and what have been some of the really neat breakthroughs and things that you've seen through doing this kind of therapy? Well. You know, you never really know for sure how much a person appreciates it, Mm -hmm. Uh, a dog coming in and, and, you know, visiting. But um, I love it when they tell you Mm. because then you know. Sure. And other than that, she's been called for... um, we live close to the hospital, so they will call Sherman, myself, Candy, mm-hmm. and they will have me come over if they have somebody that's um, having trouble 
in their room, yeah. high blood pressure, or they're freaking out. Sure, and that, sure. That's the wrong word. I understand what you mean. Sure. Um, having a hard time yeah. and they, Sherman comes in and she's very very mellow mm-hmm. and she'll get on the bed with their permission mm-hmm. and um, the doctor's permission mm-hmm. and um, they pet her they stroke her and mm-hmm. it calms them oh. and I've seen it work Yes. so that's why I stay with it sure. I, I, I've seen it it's wow. really really a good thing absolutely what if they can't talk to you, uh, nah, not a bit. It really doesn't matter because the only thing they need to do is touch. If they touch the dog, they feel her gentleness and they feel her hair is soft and silky. Mm-hmm. And it's something you just stroke and it calms you down. Mm-hmm. What about if you're afraid of the dog mm-hmm. well first of all we would never want to push a dog on anybody mm-hmm. anybody you can't talk and you can uh tell the woman that you don't like the dog yeah i think they would probably find a way to communicate they would, it though would they have outside your room they have a, a, a board, a little panel, mm-hmm. and they have like, uh, if you were, uh, say you were, a dog was, you were allergic to a dog. No. Mm-hmm. Or you just yeah, don't want I him. I love the dog mm-hmm. um, until I had my dog. Mm-hmm. But they would have that posted. Isn't they, that interesting? So you, so you, ha- you yeah. liked dogs oh, yes. before your stroke? I like dogs. I had four dogs in my house. So what do you think happened, you know, stroke-wise that has caused you to... I I really don't know. Well, now, hey, now, let's all take a moment here. This is why we're here, you know. Um, Candy? Mm-hmm. And that's Sherman Oaks. Yes, that's Ms. such a Sherman cool. Oaks, Miss Sherman yes. Oaks. I'm sorry, Miss Sherman uh-huh. Oaks. I mean, yeah, no disrespect. My husband <laughs> named her. That's all right. Um, how about if we take a moment and see if we can't kind of work some of this through? You know, Bob. I mean, you said you had four dogs. Yes. You know, I had a dog. I understand. Of, of my own. So let me ask you this: Is it? You're afraid of them now, or what? What actually is it? Candy, can you yes. take the mic to him? Candy, afraid of them now. You're afraid of them now. Now I, I, I can't. Uh, uh, I can not stand. Well, I have a dog in my lap or scurrying around. Uh, the food of it. Huh? And what what do you feel when that happens? I I feel uh, afraid. Isn't that something? Now, for everybody listening, um, and we'll take a picture of this and put it on online or something. Um, you know, King Charles Spaniel are small dogs. I mean, she's a little she's bigger, bigger than one, bigger. Yeah, yeah. so she's maybe what like twenty pounds uh, at the most. Uh, I think. Yeah. Spaniel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, Candy? I'm going to be quiet for a moment. And why don't you work your magic here, you know? Yeah, with Dr. Parker. This is Dr. Parker. Dr. Hi, Dr. Parker. Dr. Parker. I'm Candy. You know, this is what it's about, Dr. Parker. 
This is what it's about, man. And, and I... And you've written all these books. I know. So I'm going to let... You know what? I'm going to let... I'm going to let Miss Sherman Oaks do her thing. And... And, and Candy, her handler. And, and the last thing we want to do is force her on you. Yes. I don't want to do that. No. But if she's here, look, she's sleeping, <laughs> kind of. Right? She's very mellow. Would you like to just touch her hair no. right there? No. no. Okay. 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 Okay, see? She's so sweet. She's a sweet dog. She's never. I, 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 yes, I, I, yes, she is sweet. Mm -hmm. But she's closer to you than you've had another dog so far since your stroke, right? Yes. No, no. I, my daughter has two dogs and they are close to me. And I really have to watch out for them every minute. But your daughter's dogs, before you had the stroke, were your daughter's dogs okay? Were you okay? Yes. They, yes. Uh, before I had the stroke, they were okay. I had them on my lap. I had them next to me. Hmm. Well, so what do you think it is about the stroke that has made that change? I, I really don't know. It baffles me. It baffles you. You, the professor, and everything. It is just... I know! <laughs> <laughs> You're so sellout. You're the doctor. <laughs> this is good. This is really good. This so that, that's a form of therapy for you. I would you could work on yeah, this is it's it's amazing it's really it's very interesting yeah so okay so now let's look at Miss Sherman Oaks and she's knocked out completely asleep <laughs> she's very mellow yeah very mellow I, yes I okay she's, she she's very mellow I think I yeah. see. Yeah. So now, does seeing how mellow she is, does that give you any added comfort that she's not gonna do anything bad? I mean, do you think she's gonna bite you? Is that what you, what no. the fear is? What no. is the fear? Uh, not bite me. What is the fear? Get too close to me. Okay. Put her arm. Uh, no. Put her tongue up. To my mouth. I see. So it's more of a germ thing? No. Okay, so it's not there. Hand of a germ thing, no. Okay. Nothing so like that. So you don't think she's going to bite you? You're not no. afraid of that? And you don't, but you're afraid that she's going to get too close to your skin? I guess. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Or, I mean, could you touch her fur? <laughs> I don't know. Well, she's here, Dr. Parker. You want to try Ooh, here? Oh, Dr. Parker, go, Dr. Parker. You pull it to where you Awesome, Dr. Look Parker. Look at that. Awesome. I got to take a Good picture job. of that. I got to take a picture of that. That is so awesome. Okay. Hey, hang on. Oh, he's going to take, he wants a picture on his own phone. I have one too. If you so want. this, you know, and we were just talking about therapists. Now we got to add candy and... This is, you know, I tell you, some things, you just can't plan this stuff. You just can't plan this stuff. 
Do it again, Dr. Parker. There you go. Okay, so now I'm going to cry, okay? <laughs> I've held it together long enough. <laughs> you guys that listen to this show all the time, you know how I get. Dr. Parker, can I tell you how happy I am for you right now? You know, let me paint the picture, everybody, so you guys know what's going on here, because I don't know how I'm going to edit this. I'm not even going to edit this. I'm just going to just let this be. You know, we were just, Candy, before you walked in, we were just talking about physical therapists and occupational therapists and speech therapists and what an important role they play in our lives. And I left the door open because I feared it wasn't going to be that noisy. And, you know, we're at a hospital, so when people listening, they know we're at a hospital. So if you hear the announcements over the air, it's not a big deal. And then I saw that you were in the doorway, and Yesenia's here. Everybody from the first episode knows Yesenia. She works with the doctors that are here, and she's just part of our little crew and just an awesome woman. And um, I saw you in the doorway, and it's a support group. So I just figured, okay, well, whoever you are, come on in, you know. And then I saw you the dog, and it's like, oh, okay, well, let's put, put her on the air. What the heck? And as soon as you roll up as you know people at home don't know this but as soon as as candy and and the dog is in kind of a um stroll not a stroller like a shopping cart kind of thing as soon as it rolled up close to dr parker dr parker like you kind of freaked out a little mm-hmm. bit <laughs> i mean I he, freaked, he, he freaked out like hey you can't just roll up on people like that with this mm-hmm. dog you don't know and and you know, and and I could see where that would be a, a normal reaction for somebody that's afraid of dogs. And as doc, as Doctor Parker was just sharing, he has never been afraid of dogs until his stroke. And I've heard that before. That sometimes after a stroke, your emotions change. Like we had one of our support survivors on a few weeks ago who said that her mood has changed. Maybe she, it triggers something. Maybe it triggers something. It's a good point. Now that's something I, you might know as a therapist. Change absolutely. Exchange. Mm-hmm. But what an interesting um, role you play, Candy, oh, and and Miss Sherman Oaks, because fifteen minutes ago we weren't going to see him petting no dog. You know what I mean? I mean that was like he was ready to throw all you guys out of here. I think Dr. Parker was ready to throw us all out of here. <laughs> I really do appreciate that. Take the take the mic so everybody can hear you. Uh, you I, oh, grab your mic over there, Candy. Yeah, sure. There you go. I really do appreciate. You saying that because you know you visit people, yes. and you know not they may like it mm-hmm. and whatever, but they never you never know for sure how much of an but impact it's making. That's you know when I was I was in the hospital and I, and I couldn't talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I talk about milestones, you know, and, you know, this is a milestone for you right here, Dr. Parker, because you weren't petting a dog 15 <laughs> minutes ago. I can tell you now, you're ready to throw us all out of here. The last thing you were going to do was reach over there and pet that dog like you did. And I just think and that that did. is so awesome you that you did that. You know, I mean, you got the courage and you just, this is what support groups are about, you guys. This is what I'm saying. And Candy, don't have me... Thank you. Okay, no. Thank you very much. No, thank you. You make me feel good. No, thank you. And I'm so happy for you. I mean, look what you did for my friend over here. You know what I mean? It really makes me happy. I mean, he was not touching a dog. He was, and you know... This wouldn't have this breakthrough on his part in his life would not have happened without you, Candy. I, I really, I really appreciate it because the veterans, they have nothing, they have nothing, and Sherman and I go, 
and they're so sweet and so kind and I copied my husband was in Vietnam and they wore boonie hats what they call boonie hats mm -hmm. I copied his and made her one mm -hmm. so the guys put pins their pins their mm -hmm. unit pins on her hat and they look forward to seeing her a mm -hmm. lot of them not maybe not everyone mm -hmm. but those that do it gives them something to look forward to right and it's it's nice it's nice for me to know that. well what a difference you are making in people's I, lives I love them. you know and just like it's so weird too I asked you have you ever seen any like you know what kind of breakthroughs have you seen okay well here we just had one didn't we <laughs> am I right am I, I think we just uh, had a little one one <laughs> I, I don't know. This is, little, this is a little bigger than a little one. Cause <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Fifteen minutes ago, you were not having any part of candy, that dog. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. Oh, my gosh. What's going to happen now? You know, <laughs> Dr. Parker, this was just, I'm so proud of you, man, because I'm just, I, I mean, I, I just witnessed this I breakthrough happening. I'm watching. I'm, no, <laughs> Me, but too. Too. Me too. I, I mean, I, we literally witnessed this breakthrough here that was just so good for for you man mm -hmm. and candy what a difference you've made in his Thank life you. now you Thank know you. and it's it's just awesome i you, love i'm i'm very grateful thank you for here letting me hear oh. thank you for making that possible absolutely absolutely <laughs> wow okay we all okay. you know you know what everybody we need to take a commercial break i need a commercial break my face is frozen you know my face is half numb i can half talk as it is and when my emotions get all worked up the spasticity <laughs> in my face starts going and my face starts locking up we're taking a break here and we'll be right back hey this is christopher ewing from the indie music channel in hollywood and this is the indie artist spotlight one of the most talked about indie artists on the music scene today is award-winning singer-songwriter Catherine Saramana. Recently named Artist of the Year at the Indie Music Channel Awards in Hollywood, Catherine explains how she got into music. I got into music when I was three years old. I um, took piano lessons at the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto. And then in high school, I went further. I was in a band, and that's where I got started there. One of her songs, You Are Beautiful, won Song of the Year at the Indie Music Channel Awards and has received a huge amount of attention because of its powerful message. I think it's a powerful message because um, the message conveys to everyone that they have a purpose and they have a meaning and that life is a journey and that you should follow your dreams no matter what obstacles come your way, no matter if you have no support, you have to love yourself, believe in yourself. All it takes is a little spark, a little reminder, and I think this song is a reminder for that. You can hear more of Catherine's music on her website, CatherineSaramana.com. With the Indie Artist Spotlight, I'm Christopher Ewing in Hollywood from the Indie Music Channel. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing, and wow is all I can say right now. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like speechless. So, so I guess I have to ask you, so you pet the dog all on your own too. Mm -hmm. So what was what what was it prior to petting it? What was the what were the emotions? I I didn't quite know whether I could touch the dog or not. 
you didn't know if you could touch it, it yeah. because of the fear of touching it? Because of the part fear, I don't know what else. Huh. Uh, yes, part fear. Yeah. But you didn't think it was going to bite you? No, no. And you weren't afraid of it no. germ-wise? No. But when she first came in here, you were ready to, like, jump through the ceiling. I guess. And if he's nodding their head, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Everybody is like, okay. like, yep, that's pretty I much what I was ready to jump through the ceiling. Yeah, you were, pretty, you were pretty mad and pretty upset that she came that close to you with the dog. Yeah. And the dog was just in a cart. Like, you, you know, everybody listening, you know, she doesn't, she didn't have it on a leash. It was, um, how would you describe it? Like a shopping cart with like, but not deep. It's like a, yeah, like a little, one of those little shopping carts, mm -hmm. but it wasn't deep. It was like a tray cart type of yeah. thing. So the dog was just kind of sitting on top of it. And I mean, the dog is just like a little, little mush dog, little, you know, so it's not like it's one of those ferocious looking ones, you know, no. you know, like, like you just want to mush it, just mush it in your face and just kind of play with it. Uh, Oh, so yeah. So it was that kind of dog. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked, so I guess my point is, is it more, looked familiar more to you? Then 10 years. Darling, um, when I was four, no, four or five, uh -huh. and till um, 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so amazing, too. You know, we've had physical therapists in here. We've had speech therapists. We've had OTs in here. And they've worked with the survivors during the group and stuff like that. I never would have thought that an animal therapy situation would, you know, I tell you, we're covering all the bases in here. I mean, you know. That's hey, but you know what? Again, that's what the group is about, you know. And next week, a lion. And next week, next week, a lion. <laughs> yeah, you might have. <laughs> you guys might be on your own in that one. I don't know if I'll be here for that, but no. Um, but boy, what a really, really cool breakthrough happened here, Doctor. And I'm so, like I said, I'm just really proud of you that you just kind of said, "Hey, I'm just gonna." Because you even reached the pet him on your own, you know. It wasn't like anybody had to kind of coax you into it. All of a sudden, we just saw you reach over yes, and just I, pet him. Hi, pet uh, uh, my two dogs occasionally. But so, do you have dogs at home? You don't have dogs at home. Very, uh, very frequently, and then I get up and go. To the other room. Yeah, because now you live on you live with your daughter on on her no, property. I am in a cousin near, near my daughter's house. Yes, right. Now, does she have dogs? Yes. So you she, pet her dogs periodically. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. She has two dogs, one a Maltese and mm -hmm. the other a Pomeranian. Okay. Rascal. No, mutt. Pomeranian mutt. So right before you pet this dog here just now, what was it that was in your mind? Because like I said, you just reached over and just started petting it. And I, we, we were kind of, oh, he's reaching over. What, what's happening here now? I mean, we knew you weren't going to hit it or something. But you just all of a sudden just went right for it and just petted it. What was it in your mind? Did you tell yourself, I'm just going to do this or what? Yes, mm -hmm. I am going to do this. And I have to put my hand on, on the coat. Bravo to you, Professor. I'm telling you, that...
wow you pushed through and broke through man oh, yeah. you know dave that's just like the kick in the tail that you say just do it you know mm-hmm. you just do it whether it's trying to get your hand to move your arm to move yeah. you just you just got to do it. You just got to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. And what bravo to you, Professor, for that breakthrough. I mean, that was a major breakthrough. <laughs> I mean, you weren't having any part of that. So now let me ask you this. Having done that now, does that make you feel any more comfortable going forward? Like if you were to see another dog that you knew was going to be fine, does it think of, like, or going to your sister, your, your daughter's dogs, do you think you'll go to them now a little differently, like a little more at ease no. than you would have before? Because there's, uh, the young, younger one is all over the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's she makes it between my teeth. No, mm-hmm. toes. Mm-hmm. So she's all over anyway. So you're you're okay with her. Or not I, so much. Not really. Hmm. I like her to stay a little, not a lot, mm-hmm. but a little away. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something that you'd want to work through, or are you just fine with just not being around any dogs? I don't know. Perhaps. Uh, 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 if you um, bring candy back in uh, with the dog, I might make it close to me. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, you do this for you. You know what I mean? You don't. I mean, you don't ever have to touch a dog, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's entirely up to you. But I, I, I think everybody in here. I think we all felt the same thing. We just really wanted you to break through that, especially given the fact that you had said that you had always liked dogs before your stroke. Oh, yeah. So we just really wanted you to get back. It's almost like we wanted you to to, to walk again or to, you know, well, <laughs> you know. We had four dogs mm-hmm. and three cats. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And like you said, just before the stroke, you were fine. After oh. the stroke no part of it and uh, so that's what I say this is a big breakthrough and I'm proud of you and I'm glad and you know next week when she comes if you want to try to bring the dog closer again for you not for me and not for anybody else in here but just for you that's great she'll be here if not hey you did you did what I certainly didn't think you were going to do today given how adamant you were about not even having her in the room so I, I this was a breakthrough and and, and um you know, and it, and it answered a lot of things for us in the respect that here's yet another type of therapy, another type of therapist, if you will, doing what they do, you know, helping us walk, helping us talk, helping us eat, helping us move our arms and helping us break through fears that we really didn't even know that you'd have. I mean, and getting back out there. And just getting back out there. Yes, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Dealing with the, the stuff that, you know, you, you would deal with before, and it wasn't even an issue. Right. Now it is. Right. Yes. And and it's interesting, too. I had Sorry. asked her, you know, what kind of breakthroughs she has seen, and shoot, we just saw another one right here, you know? I mean, that was really awesome. And I know we've talked a lot about this, but it was, you know, for everybody listening, this was a major, major moment here that, uh, you know, if you could have seen it, it was really heavy, so... Um, 
you know, with the few minutes that we have left, we'll spend a little few extra minutes here. Um, I want to talk about your books. Um, because, and that's what we were going to do today anyway, so now we're finally getting to it, but this was all worth it. Dr. Parker is, uh, as you may have remembered from other episodes, um, and we've talked before, he has his PhD in education. He was an educator uh, at the University of Chicago and Rutgers and all kinds of places. So in 2009, you had two strokes in one day, and it basically knocked out your ability to speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to ask the ridiculous question of, oh, how did that make you feel as an educator who, you know, you know, was an educator in linguistics and teaching language to teachers and things like that. You know, how, how devastating was it not to be able to speak? I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, I can't even imagine. I just can't even imagine. And then this journey. I was depressed as hell. And you know, and knowing you as I do, and as I've come to know you over the past several months, you are just amazing. I mean, you've written several books, and you're one of the books that you wrote specifically about your stroke, your two strokes, appropriately titled, I'm on my way to healing, two strokes and a recovery. You really tell the whole story. Hmm. I mean, just an amazing story. Hmm. And your wife played a very important role. Oh, yes. Most important. Important role. So it's really an amazing book. You tell the whole story of, you know, we were at the coffee shop and you had your first stroke in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Now, in the book, one of the things that you talk about is the fact that you finally got to go home, but then you had to go back again. Mm-hmm. What, what's that about? Why did you have to go back? Because I pass out in the morning under my, uh, my, my wife. Oh, that's right. And you, yeah, you, you were on top of her. And she, <laughs> luckily, she had her phone and could call. You guys really, you guys really have to get the book. It's really amazing. But you had been in the hospital for so many days, and you finally get out. I, I, been in the hospital for forty three days. Right. Came home for. One, one day, day. and went mm. back in the hospital for another five days. Uh, and I bet you were so glad to get home, and then doggone, you wound up right back there again. Um, and then also there was something about a feeding tube that was, how did that have to come into play? I had a feeding tube for about six weeks. Mm. The Mush went in the bowl mm-hmm. and came down to my stomach. Hmm. And so uh, I, uh, they didn't know whether I could swallow. I see. So that's why they did the feeding tube. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, and then the food had to be prepared almost like what? Like a mush or something? Mm-hmm. Like a morse. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's a really thorough book, and it really tells the story of what you've had to go through. And um, really, your recovery since then is even amazing because mm. um, you know, your speech obviously was affected, but it was very affected by the time you had written this book. At, at the time you'd written this book, you're improved since then, huh? Oh, yes. I'm, uh, I'm much improved. Right, right. 
Well, the name of the book is I'm On My Way to Healing, Two Strokes and a Recovery. Um, it's available on Amazon, and definitely you guys grab it because it's just such an interesting read. It, it's really amazing to hear people's stories of recovery and how they're able to kind of pull it all back together and pull themselves back from the brink of, you know, what the heck just happened to me. And to hear the steps that they've taken to recover and to look back and think, wow, that happened. I mean, you know, I see you now and, you know, you've written books. You're still writing more books. You've got two more books that are coming out. And it's still like, my goodness, you know, it, it just really. And I think you said this the other day, Dave, it really speaks to the power and the will that we have, you know, the, the will to recover and the strength that we can conjure up and pull together. Or your character. Yes. You actually, you know. You're based on your character. It's basically, this is what you are. Yes, absolutely. But it's actually that, that comes out. Right. You know, you see it many times in your life, but not so much as to when you really need it. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it, man, it just rises to the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. So true. So true. And it's funny, we even saw that today, you know, to go back to the dog thing, yeah. you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, just... It's just basically, you, you did it. You just, you know, you, yeah. you hung in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. All about I, breakthroughs. I had to hang in there. Yeah, he toughed it out. Absolutely. And he just, he just stu- he stood right there and just yes. stayed there. Yes, yes. And, you know, isn't that interesting? That's really what a lot of this is about throughout this whole stroke experience. Mm-hmm. But it's is those steps every single day. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's every single day you've got you've got that that thing that you're chasing those little demons and you know what you, you go after them and you chase them down you're right Dave absolutely and absolutely and that's really and, what this whole recovery is all about I'm still chasing those those demons yes yeah yeah well as are the rest of us yeah yeah sure sure because the demons can come in any kind of form you know you'll never make it don't try it don't do it oh you know you, you've lost it in, in everything else or you can't do that anymore. Yes, correct. It's like, yeah, watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <Watch. laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's you, Dave, big time. You are all it's about that. It's just that, you know, that tenacity, just, you know, to not to stop. Maintain that tenacity. Yes. And get the word out. Yeah. And there's a lot of go. people out there that are in the same in the same boat we are. Yes. Yeah. And some have... Then nice and some don't. Yeah, right. Kind of like three three frogs on a lily pad. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, everybody listening, you know, this has been kind of an interesting day, and um, this is just kind of our time to kind of get together and talk and and um, you know and really share our experiences with all of you that are listening in you know hopes that um, you know maybe you get some inspiration from some of the things that other stroke survivors have gone through because you know when you go to a stroke support group and this has certainly been my experience as to why I wanted to do something like this you know I was new to the stroke game I had no idea what the heck stroke was and just through going to the support groups and meeting people and hearing their experiences and things that they did to try to help themselves recover and rehabilitate it's like wow okay Okay, so, you know, we kind of learn from each other through all of this. And, um, you know, so that's why, you know, today's show is kind of what it is because it just kind of becomes what it becomes, you know. And I just, that's right. Yeah, you know, and that's why I said, you know what, we're just going to make a make a stroke support group and put it on the radio and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, and, <laughs> you know, right. people who don't have access to a support group, this can kind of.
to become their source of inspiration and things like that. And I know Dave, and I'm, I'm one of them. You know, through listening to you on the show every week, I'm telling you, you have kicked me, like I said last week on last week's show, you kicked me in the tail more times than you even know. You know, and I'm sure there's other listeners too that have, you know, really gotten some inspiration from you. Something that we all need, but, you know, and being in the same position, it's. You know, it's just like, you got to do it. Sure. And, you know, and, and, and I guess my point in this is that we don't, some people may not have a Dave or a Dr. Parker or a Christopher or something who's kind of over their shoulder saying, come on, you can do this, you can do this, you know? So that's the kind of reason for a show like this is to kind of be there as a support for others who don't have uh, friends or other stroke survivors. Absolutely. And it's just like all three of us have something very much in common, mm-hmm. but it's just... It, but it's, it's it's sad that it's a stroke. Yeah, yeah. And it's just enough to, you know, but to push us. Well, you know, you guys are awesome, you know, and everybody listening, just know that we're here for you. We love you guys. And we are, we basically, you know, do this every week for all of you who are listening, you know. You know, I thank you guys for being a part of the show. And, you know, drop us an email. Let us know, um, you know, if you have any questions. Uh, you know, and also let us know where you guys are at in your midst of recovery, too. Um, you know, I'm really big on milestones. So hopefully you guys are doing your milestone journal and stuff like that. You know, email us and let us know how some of the milestones are happening in your life. We, I'd love to hear from you guys. So anyway, um, that's the show for today. Until next time, remember, there is still a beautiful life after stroke. This has been a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors, or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine. Life After Stroke is a production of the Hang On to the Dream Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps kids and adults reach their goals in life. If these Life After Stroke programs are helpful to you, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hang On to the Dream Foundation to assist the organization in its numerous outreach activities. For more information, just go to www.hangontothedream.org. And remember, no matter how hard things seem, hang on to the dream.